I want to start with a really sad story today. Today, the, the sermon today is, is in regard to the core belief that we are sons and daughters first. We are sons and daughters first. That's not a sad story. That's a great part of the story. And, um, and by the way, we have a devotional. If you haven't got one yet, we've got some in the back. Please take one on your, on your way out or go grab one right now. You can take notes. But there are verses that, that are going um, to correspond with the word. And you can take time to meditate and take notes and let the spirit of God form these things in you. Because this is who we are and what we're about. And you will be blessed to be present with the Lord this week as you continue. So please grab one of those devotionals if you don't have one. And, and if you do have one... Um, stick with it. Great job. God is doing good things. But we are sons and daughters first. And this is really core to what we do and how we are able to bring the kingdom. So let me start with a sad story, as promised. I was in uh, Youth with a Mission. It was when I heard this story, and it was, uh, was told by someone who works specifically in the area of inner healing. And inner healing, if, if you were to really boil it down and simplify it, inner healing is simply the process of replacing a lie that you've believed based on an experience with the truth and letting the Spirit of God heal you with truth and heal that area so you no longer have to respond to that lie that you believed. There's a phrase that says, it's not what happens to you in this life that makes all the difference. It's what you do and what you believe after it happens to you. And I think we all experience that, don't we? So this woman was sharing in walking people through different wounds that they had um, experienced in life. And this person shared a story of this young woman that she had ministered to. And the young woman had shared her story with her. And here's the story. She was a daughter of a father who had many kids. And for whatever reason, this father absolutely despised her. In fact, he despised her so much that he used to call her a dog. And he wouldn't let her eat at the table. He'd actually make her eat on the floor, and she'd have to eat out of a dish like a dog. And so, I mean, good night, right? It's just like, whew. And so she had been treated like this. Her siblings are all eating at the table. And, as, and as, as I recall, she only got to eat one meal a day. I think it was dinner. And the rest of the time, too, he would tell her, stay out of the house. So she could sleep in the house. She could eat like a dog for dinner. That was it, stay out of the house the rest of the time. One day her father was away, she was really hungry, so she snuck into the house to get something out of the fridge. And her dad came home unexpectedly and saw her, and he goes, get out of here, dogs don't belong in the house. And she got down on all fours and scurried out of the house like a dog. And she told that story of having been so attacked and so related to in her identity as a dog that though she understood I'm a human, in that moment, at the sound of the father's voice saying, dogs belong outside, she got down on all fours and ran out of the house like a dog. How important is your identity? The story that we're in, in this reality, is that we have a good father who created us and we have an enemy who hates us. And we talked about the good father. The good father, he loves us. We have an enemy who hates us because he hates our father and he hates us. And you know who we remind him of? Our father. And Satan always attacks in two different ways. We see this again and again. He attacks our father and says, he's not good enough. He's not big enough. He's not who you think he is. And he attacks us and says, you're not good enough. 
and you're not who you think you are. He attacks God's character, and he attacks our character. He attacks God's identity, and he attacks our identity. And we got to understand this in order to make sense of what's going on in the world. And so as we're looking at our core beliefs, this is why this is so key for us to understand that we are sons and daughters first. Let's go to Genesis um, chapter 1, uh, 26. Before I say that, I do want... No, 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 I can do this. I can do this. Let's, let's start there. Let's read this together. And this is in... Uh, I believe this is in... Okay. Here we go. So God spoke... Let us make human beings in our own image. This is uh, the message. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings and he created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. I like the language here. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. This is key. God being God-like means there are males and there are females because that represents the character and the identity of God. We're made in his image, male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. Be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. What an incredible picture of how we are created, that our identity is that we were made God-like in his image. So what does that mean? What does that mean to be God-like and in his image? We're going to talk a little bit about that, but I, I I want to point out to you something that's very interesting, and that is this. Last week, if you notice, and and I'm going to come back and touch on this, but I want to use this as a, I want you to be thinking of this, that the Holy Spirit, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, we just activated some gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you know that, that being given gifts by the Holy Spirit is not the first thing the Holy Spirit does. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is it seals us with the spirit of adoption, whereabout we cry out, Abba, Father. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is establish the identity that we're sons and daughters so we can relate to God as our Father, as our Daddy, as our Abba, as our Papa, and that we understand we're sons and daughters. It's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. Why is this so key? Because we have to understand that we are sons and daughters first, that we're sons and daughters in this earth, that everything else flows out of that. Any other way that we relate to the world around us and to God himself is going to, be an, is going to run in a deficit if we don't understand that we're sons and daughters first. We'll be trying to earn our value. We'll be trying to prove our identity to ourselves and to others always. And we'll never be able to rest. And we'll get some more into the redemptive side of that later. But can you receive that? Can you see that? And that's why it's so key that when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, he gives us gifts. It's amazing. But the first and foremost greatest foundation that every gift is going to operate out of is that you and I are a son or a daughter. We are our daddy's child. And so then we can say, okay, okay, Holy Spirit, that's what you're doing. That sounds awesome. So then what is he like? And therefore, what am I like? Now, we just heard that horrific story of a wicked bad father, right? Essentially, someone under the influence of Satan who convinced a young daughter that she was, 
the dog to the point that, that she believed it. And we've all experienced in this world Satan accusing us in one way or another of essentially being dogs. One of the most popular lies out there is that we actually evolved from animals instead of being made in God's image. It's a pretty core belief, isn't it? It's an interesting thing that those that would purport that we came from animals study animals to see how we should act. Psychology is based in large part on studying humans, but also ethics and psychology is based now on studying animals. God actually teaches the exact opposite. He says, come talk to me. You're made in my image. If you want to know how to relate, you have to relate as a God who's been given authority in this earth, made in my image, capable of being like me. You can look down or you can look up. As a son or a daughter, we get to look up. So God spoke and he said, let us make them in our image reflecting our nature. So what's God's nature like? What is his nature? Well, there's some, there's some unique things about God. One thing is that God has the capacity to love. I was thinking about, uh, oh, I can't think of their names now, but they were a famous magician group. And at one point, one of their tigers bit one of the magicians in the neck. Do you remember, do you remember this? What were their names? Siegfried and, yeah, Royd? Roy. Roy, there we go. Sorry, I must have been thinking something else. Siegfried and Roy. We always joked around about that. We're like, we don't know what happened. He's always been so kind. What was his name? Killer Bitey McPherce. Why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. They, that this tiger was trained. They loved it. They fed it. They cared for it. And then at some point, it bit him in the neck. Why? Because it's its nature. He's a tiger. If you want to know what tigers are like, study tigers. If you want to know what sons and daughters are like, study their father. So here's his nature. His nature is that he loves us. In fact, it's, it's amazing if you look, at, you look at 1 Corinthians 13, we see some of the definition of love. He suffers long and he's kind. As sons and daughters, that means we have the capacity and the design to suffer along with people and to be kind. He doesn't envy. As a son and a daughter, you and I are called to be able to not envy, to be able to know that our Father will give us everything that we need, and therefore we're generous as opposed to having envy. The list goes on. The list goes on. But we have a capacity to love because he has a capacity to love. We're not a tiger that says, I really appreciate you. I'm having fun with you. Thank you for feeding me. Oh, are we playing right now? I accidentally tore your neck out. We're not animals. We're not the sum of our, of our impulses. As animals, we would be in survival mode at all time. The highest value for us would be to survive. As sons and daughters of God, we are always motivated by love. We don't have to worry about our survival as our primary motivator in this life because our primary motivator is that we are loved and therefore we love. That's your identity. You're a son and a daughter first. We have a personality. We've been given a personality. How many of you guys know that God is a person? He's a person. We have a father and a son and a Holy Spirit. Now, in so much that the father and the son are called father and the son, 
I have to infer that Holy Spirit, I think very much must exude the female aspect of God. If we're made God-like in his image, male and female, there's got to be some attributes of the female heart of God. Jason at one point had talked about that we often talk and teach, and, and, and uh, you know, Doug does a great job teaching about the father heart of God. But how many of those aspects wouldn't you say that you've discovered so much of that's the mother heart of God? We're going to have to work on some branding, the mother and father heart of God. But we're made to be able to have a personality as God himself does. Now, here's another one that's interesting. Look at this scripture. He says to them, I want you to be reflecting my nature so that you can be responsible for the fish in the sea. In the, in the other translations, it says, I have given you dominion over the earth to rule over it and to care for it. You and I, because we're sons and daughters, we're actually tasked with the mission of wielding authority to care for the whole earth, to care for the people around us, to love them. You've actually been, you've actually been given authority. So that, that desire inside of you to use the power that you've been given to change something, to make something better, that's you acting like your father. That's you acting like God because you're a son, you're a daughter. You look at something that's broken and you think, that shouldn't be. Why is it that you think that? Amen. Why is it that you think that? Because you inherently believe that there's such a thing as goodness. And when you see something that's not good, there's something in you that says it should be made good. That should not be like that. How many of you guys have experienced that? And, and not everyone here was born into a Christian home. So before you knew about God, you still had this drive that you would look at something and go, that's broken. Why is that like that? It should be better. Why, are you, why were you feeling that? Well, there's an answer for that here in Romans uh, chapter 2, 14 through 16. Speaking of, speaking of those that are outside of the kingdom, it says, when outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. You see, we are intrinsically valuable before we choose God back. We're made in his image whether we know about him or not. You know, in fact, I was thinking about as I was preparing this and Jason and I were talking. And this is the reason why there are so many people who don't even know God, but they invent a religion or a philosophy that matches a whole lot of the truth of his goodness and his character. Why? Because we are made in his image. So whether or not we understand where that's coming from yet, we still act like our daddy in a lot of ways. We act like God in a lot of ways because we're made in his image. And so our, our bent, and I like, I like how this verse uh, lays it. I like the language here in the message here where it says that it is actually, it is actually um, woven into the very fabric of our creation. There's something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no right and wrong. Woven into our creation is the identity that we were created as sons and daughters. This is also, by the way, why Jesus was willing to come and die to redeem us. It's because we were already made in his image intrinsically valuable. One of the things we talk about is, is, uh, is that we don't believe people are just dirty, rotten sin factories and they need to get right so they'll be valuable. No, no, no. 
We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we were made in his image glorious, and we fell short through sin, and he wants to restore us back to the the standard of his glory. It's not that we became unvaluable or that we were trash until he made us valuable. No, he, he he does not change the value that we have based on our behavior. He seeks that we would allow his kindness to bring us to repentance. Amen? We're sons and daughters first. And this is important for us because the truth is, I think that some of us can get sort of sucked in. Because remember, we have an enemy, right? He's always accusing people all the time. But we can get sucked into kind of that attitude, that us and them attitude. It's like, well, those sinners have got all the power right now. And so we need to, and, and you start going, what's going on with my attitude right now? Now, I'm not saying that we don't want righteous people to be in positions of authority. We really do want that. But we have to be careful that we don't get sucked into hating our enemies. Because what did Jesus say? Your sons and daughters first. They're a son and a daughter. They don't know me yet, but I love them, and I died for them while they were yet sinners, just like I did for you. So I want you to love your enemy and pray for those who spitefully use you. Why? Because they're intrinsically valuable. They're a son and a daughter that needs to know me, and I'm counting on you as a son or a daughter to pray the kind of prayers I pray because I want to open their eyes just like I opened your eyes. I want to restore them to my glory just like I restored you to my glory. And so you and I, it's an illegal function to start hating people. You can feel it in your stomach when it's happening, huh? It's like, oh, I'm not acting right right now. Something is going on with my motivation. I'm not acting like my father. I'm not acting like a son or a daughter. I actually could care less about what happens to that person. The opposite of love is, is, is even worse than hate. The opposite of love is ambivalence. I don't even care enough about you to hate you. I just wish you were out of the way. But as sons and daughters, we, we don't do that. We say, you are intrinsically valuable, and I'm praying that, that you would find Christ, that you would find the Father's heart. Can you guys receive this? It shapes the way that we love. It shapes the way that we see others. It shapes the way that we treat others who don't yet know God because they are sons and daughters that need to be reconciled back to dad. Now, let me talk a little bit here about Holy Spirit. And I did start to make a point, which I I do want to come back and finish, and it was this. When we look at, and I think many of us have probably been presented with this as, as sort of a key point of a proof of that maybe there isn't a good dad that created all things. Because when we look at the many different attempts of those who are made in God's image, sons and daughters, and they're acting like dad, though they don't know him yet. But they have these principles, these religions, and, and oftentimes we've heard it said, right? Well, if, like, is it right that there could be one way? Because when we look around at all the different re- religions, they all have a certain moral code that's seeking for human flourishing. They all have a certain transcendence, a desire to fix the broken things in the world. And, and you can see these certain ethics that will run throughout all these different religions, and so therefore, and this is the premise is, maybe all truth leads to the same good thing. Maybe it's just a whole bunch of expressions of the same goodness 
you know, God consciousness or something, and it's all going to lead us to that one place, or this idea of like all roads lead to truth kind of thing. Well, I would like to suggest that, that actually what's happening is that there are lots of good principles in many man-made religions, not because all roads lead to heaven, but rather man is attempting to bring heaven to earth according to their current understanding because man is made in God's image whether he's aware of it or not. And so they're well-meaning but broken attempts of broken people trying to Restore the Garden of Eden, as it were, to bring heaven to earth. We're still wired to want to fix things in this earth because it was part of our image that we were given where he goes, I've actually given you authority over this earth. And when you see something broken, you feel the innate sense as a son or a daughter to fix it. Now, does that mean that all of our strategies end up correct? Well, until we meet Jesus, no. And let's humbly also admit that we're on a learning curve with Jesus. And we've had some broken individuals that have done some really wonky things in his name. And that includes everyone in this room. <laughs> I thought I would get at least a little chuckle out of that. Was it too close to, the, close to home? <laughs> so then, let's talk a little bit about Holy Spirit and about who we are as sons and daughters, and then let's pray. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is, is daddy. What, what did you call your dad when you were a kid? Was it poppy, papa, dad? This is Abba. That's, that's that word. It's the pet name of affectionate, right relationship with your pop. It's that connection with God, and it's the Holy Spirit himself that brings that revelation because that revelation of who we are as sons and daughters is the foundation that we're going to work from in everything that we built. There's another scripture that I love, uh, Galatians 4, 6. It says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. This is, this is an interesting mystery because it's actually the spirit of Jesus the perfect son in us aligning our heart with what it is to be a perfect child, a perfect son or a daughter with God and relating to him with zero fear through the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 6, God speaking to us says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I will be a father to you. We're going to start passing out communion. I want to take communion together, and we're going we're gonna to take some opportunity to let the Spirit of God refresh and restore so we can start passing out those elements right now. I was thinking about these words, and I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I think about that young woman whose wicked father treated her like she was a dog, and she was restored, by the way. We were hearing this message when we were in youth with a mission because this woman had had the opportunity to walk this other young lady through healing to recognize that her father doesn't call her a dog, but rather her father says, and I will be a father to you, and you will be a daughter to me, says the Lord Almighty. 
I heard it summarized so well in regard to some of the wounds that we've experienced from our mothers and fathers. And the truth is, because of experience, that being most of our first and rightfully so relationship with authority, with the idea of a mother or father, which represents God, comes from our own fallible mothers and fathers. And they do some things really, really well, and they do some things not so well. And that's a range. So how do we relate to the father himself as a son and a daughter if our first experience was negative with someone who was my earthly mother and father, and it's casting a shadow over God's true character? And I heard it this way. Everything that was good and right and beautiful that your mother and your father did, God says to you, I'm just like that. I'm just like that. I'm fresh baked cookies and a note in your lunch. I'm an affirmation and I'm teaching you how to fish. I'm noticing your tears and I'm saying to you, I'm proud of you. I'm just like that just like what you learned from your mother or your father. But in every area where they failed you, where there was that criticism or that pride or that hurt or that envy or that competition, that brokenness, whatever it was, your own heart knows it. And he says to you, I'm nothing like that. I'm nothing like that. Everything that was good and right, every good and perfect gift comes from our father of lights. With him, there's no... There's no turning. But with regard to those broken places, he's the one that came to heal the broken places. It's nothing like that. So as we prepare to take communion, I want to remind you that you can receive from the Lord that I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me. 1 John 3.1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. The Father's love is the premise of our identity, and the desire that he has is that we would be his children. I mean, think about that. What love the Father has bestowed on us, that he could build a really great earth. Nope, that's not what it says. That he would hire you on so you could be great of a part, part of a great company. That's not what it says. Those are great things, but that's not what it says. What it says is that the love of God is bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. That we are sons and daughters to him. That's his desire. That's what he made. That's what we are in everything that we do. Everything that we think. Every way that we speak. Every way that we relate comes from that. We are not trying to earn his love He's given us our identity. He's given us our love. And Jesus came to show us what great a price he would bring to redeem us from the wicked one, the one who tricked us in to thinking that we're something other, the one who said, you are a dog, and dogs belong outside. In whatever way that he's done that, you're an animal, you're not a son, you're a sinner, you're not a daughter. You're outside, not inside. And Jesus came to say, my father desires that no one would perish, but all would live with him forever as a son and a daughter. He took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, and it's broken for you. That's the love of the Father. Our big brother Jesus said, you want your kids back? I'm in, and I'll pay any price, and we thank you for that, Jesus. Let's take the bread. 
He took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood. It's poured out for you. It's a new covenant. You are not separated from the Father anymore. The forgiveness of sins and life forever as sons and daughters. Let's take the cup. Father, even now, we ask that you'd open the eyes of our understanding, that we would see you as you are, and we would see ourselves and one another as you see us. Amen. The uh, prayer servant team and elders are all coming to the front, so if you'd like some continued ministry, we would love to pray with you. God bless you guys.